You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Always a pleasure to be joined by someone who has one of those great gold jackets. Rob, thank you for taking the time. So here you are. Here's Cordell. And there's a fellow named Tom Brady still getting it done at the age of 40. How is he getting better as he gets older? You know what? I'm, the game is different. I mean, let's, he is getting better. Um, he understands the game. He has seen all defenses. So he, and he understands the philosophy that they want from that offense. I mean, just think, 18-year playbook. It's the same playbook he's had for 18 years. Right. Think how nice that is and how easy that is. But I would say the game has changed just for the fact that they don't, it's the millennials. They don't work as hard as they used to back in the day. Like back in the day, when you were pounding five weeks of training camp, he wouldn't be playing 18 years. You're talking about the physicality of it. Physicality of everything. And then, you know, you look at the offseason, the game, the Super Bowl's coming up, you know, on Sunday. As soon as that game is over, they don't come back into that building until after the draft. So their bodies get to recover. It's not like we used to. We used to come back in and be banging and working out and running and, and doing all that stuff. So they get time. So they're going to recover more. But at the end of the day, you know, when you look at Tom, he just really understands the game. And, you know, I, I know he did that Father Time pod, podcast, whatever it was. But at the end of the day, the league is helping him and it's helping all players because he's, they're overly protected in the pocket. You can't hit the receivers down the field. You can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. He's not going to get touched. You know, he's going to be protected. And he's seen everything. So if you bring different blitzes, you bring blitzes outside, he's going to get rid of the football. You're not going to hit him. Only time I've ever seen Tom Brady get hit is when the pressure's coming up the middle and it's immediate. And that's the only time you can pressure him. And if you don't do that, and they don't do that, for talking about the Philadelphia Eagles defense, it'll be a long day for him. Yeah, and I think the last time we saw that was when they played Denver in that AFC Championship game. And they did it literally for 60 minutes. And I don't think we probably have seen that since. But if it's not the physicality for him, it has to be between the ears. Is there another quarterback in the game right now or even throughout the time in which you played up until now and, and also be a part of the coaching world, you've seen a player be able to take a team that's totally different offensively and defensively every single year. I don't care if it's a guard, a, a defensive lineman to a receiver, especially the receiving core, be able to still contribute and be as efficient as he's been. Well, the one thing he's had, he's had his core players with him. So Amadola. Edelman, even though Edelman got hurt this year. Grock has been there for the last several years. But the one thing about him, he knows the game. It's irrelevant. This system is a system. He's been in the same system for 18 years. Defenses really don't change. I think for him, he understands what he wants and what he needs to accomplish. If you look at their system and you look at their team, they have formation tendencies. The only problem with that, if you overplay, oh, they're just going to stop and pivot away and Thomas is going to throw the ball to him. So he's patient enough to let their, his receivers do their job. And even though they're not, you know, bona fide Hall of Famers and, and perennial pro bowlers that he's playing with, he makes that team click. The Hall of Famer, Rob Woodson, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. When you get to Friday, from this perspective, we've covered the big game from about every angle. Cordell, how many times have I mentioned you got to get to Tom Brady? you got to put pressure on the greatest of all time. Fletcher Cox, up the middle, dominant. Brandy Graham, coming off the edge. Philadelphia, statistically a better defense than New England. Can the Philly D carry them to a win? 
I think they, I believe they have a shot. I really do. But it's going to be predicated on them getting pressure in the middle. And, and, you know, Graham coming outside, yes, he might get there, but it's going to be predicated on Cox having a big game or the interior. They have a good eight-man rotation. And if you look at the, the template to beat them, you go back to the Miami Dolphins when they played them this year. Tough man-to-man. No Gronk, remember? No. Shout out with the one-game suspension. I'm just I, giving the audience I, I, context. Yeah, I, got the, I got the Gronk, no Gronk. But, and, like, Gronk's not Kelsey. Gronk has a matchup problem because he is 6'7". Big. 260, 260, whatever he is. Yep. His catch radius is big. But he's not going to outrun you, so people can be physical with him. And he ha- he's shown a tendency to get hurt in games. But with that being said, at the end of the day, it's still a matchup. So you, you look at that Miami game, it's tight man-to-man. If you play zoning against him, oh, he's going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. So it's tight man-to-man, pressure inside is the template. If you don't have that template, you're not going to be Tom Brady. You know how sometimes people say, ah, oh. <laughs> Run the football and keep him on the sideline. Just hit him all game. Like, everyone's tried that. What about playing, being prepared to play for 65 minutes? If you can be prepared to play for 65 minutes, because you look at Jacksonville. I mean, the first half pretty much was about as good as it can get. They even got up to 20 to 10 when they came out uh, at half, and they end up having a chance to separate themselves just a little bit. Think about last year in the Super Bowl. They were up 28 to 3, Atlanta was. And they took the foot off the pedal, let's just say, the last three minutes of the third quarter. We're not talking the whole half. So if, if someone like this team that we know they rotate very well defensively, especially when it comes to the front four, do you think they'll have, be able to have the stamina to be able to go for 65 minutes to push this team to the bitter end? Because every Super Bowl has come down to that. I, I think the key to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's teams is that you have to do the unscheduled. You know, everybody has tendencies. Mm-hmm. So, hey, second and long, they're going to throw it. Run it. So, you know, third and long on defense, they always play this defense. Play another defense. You have to give them what they don't expect. If you give them what they expect, Tom Brady's going to eat that team up. But you have to do the unexpected. When you go back and look at that team against Jacksonville, Jacksonville in the first half did an outstanding job of keeping the ball on the ground. And it was a really keeping them off balance. When they thought they were going to run, they were passing. When they thought they were going to pass, they were, to, they were running it. But in the second half, it's like they were playing to win, but not playing. They were like playing to keep the game. Keep the game, keep the game not close. Lo- not lose not it, to lose it. Yeah, yeah. And they kept running the same plays over and over and over, when, even though they were getting hammered up front with those little zone options. You know, no, they did no boots. They did those shallow crossing routes, and none of them were coming open. Instead of changing that up in the second half, and it cost them. I think the biggest thing for New England they don't make mistakes. And if you make that one mistake, they capitalize on that mistake. And if we're thinking about when the Raiders matched up with the Eagles on Christmas night, a lot of miscues, unfortunately, for the silver and black. From the Philadelphia point of view, Nick Foles did not play well at all in that game. Then we jump to the AFC title game. He's carving up the best defense statistically in all of football in Minnesota. Who's the real Nick Foles? Somewhere in between. I believe that, you know, we caught Nick... When we played him this year, his first full game as a starter. So he still had a little rust in him. And then you kind of seen him knock that off as the games went on. I think he is wily. I think he understands the game. He does have a good arm. His receivers aren't the best receivers in the National Football League. I don't know if they really scare you. Aguilar is their fastest one they have. Um, more crossing routes than anything else when, you run a, when, when he's running his best routes. But at the end of the day, I think for him, we know he has to throw the ball well. I think he has to make some unscheduled first downs with his feet. Because when that offense was dynamic, when Wentz was the quarterback, 
he would pull that ball and take it around the, the end. How much of the RPO stuff did you see in that game on Christmas night? Oh, a lot. I mean, they run it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they keep you off balance to the fact they're trying to they count the box. If the box is heavy, meaning the backers are behind the ball and they're in the box, they're going to throw it. If the backers walk out of the box, they're going to run it. So they're, they're counting that box the whole time. So you're going to see, they're going to see it. Now, I think the biggest thing is, but if the quarterback never keeps it, they don't, there's no threat for the quarterback going around the corner. Then that backside end will just keep crashing down and making plays on the, on the run game. So I think it's predicated that he makes a couple unscheduled first downs with his feet, keeping that ball, making them saying, you know what, I might keep it. I'm not Carson Wentz. I'm not as, I'm not as athletic as he is, but I can run with the football. And if he does that a couple times, I think it bodes well for him. How impressed are you with Doug Peterson and, and being able to get Nick Foles to play the way he did in that Atlanta game and also the Minnesota game because it's natural when you lose a potential MVP of the game and Carson Wentz because that was the direction he was going. I mean, his his touchdown and interception is still better than Tom Brady's. I mean, right now he's sitting on, what, 33 touchdowns, only something like seven interceptions. Tom Brady has 32 and eight. When you look at what Doug Peterson has done, how tremendous has it been to be able to get Nick Foles to be solid in these last two games where he's been? Wait. You gotta remember, what year is that that Nick Foles had his great year? With Chip uh, Kelly, a few 13, years ago. Right? 30, 13, 2013. 13. So he had it in him already. Yeah. He can already he, the MVP of the Pro Bowl that year. He, he, he has that skill set in his in his body. Yep. He just had to get it back out. Mm-hmm. And when you sit on the bench, it just kind of gets a little dust. Dormant. You gotta you gotta dust that off. Yep. And he did that. He understands the game. He believes in who he is. He believes in his arm. I think for the main thing though, when you get pressure on him. Does he see the color, or can he keep looking down the field? That's going to be the key. I think once you see New England pressure, which they don't do it a lot, but once they do get pressure and you see the eyes go down, if they keep going down, they're going to keep getting the pressure. But if he keeps giving them a little bit and he makes a big play when they are bringing pressure, then I can go well for the Eagles. Let's wrap it up with the Hall of Fame. We know the process can be muddled. But now there are Hall of Famers in the room. James Lofton, Dan Fouts have been a part of that conversation. I'd like to see more of that. And I'm a media member. Yes. So here's my question about T.O. I don't care if an athlete is not kind to me. I'm just there to get the information. To me, this is my commentary, feels like there's a lot of media members settling scores with Terrell Owens. And they're now casting him in this different category that the locker room is an extension <laughs> of the field. And quote unquote, he was a bad teammate, which was probably factual, but I was in the room. To me, none of that should matter. This is about your body of work. How do you see it? Absolutely. I agree with you. I talked about it yesterday on Radio Row is that it's not about T.O.'s integrity or his character. It's, it's how, he, how he played the game. We're, we're taking this. First of all, he's never been arrested. I'm pretty sure there's some people that's been in the, that's in the Hall of Fame that's been arrested. So was he a jerk? Maybe. But that doesn't make him not a great player. When I look at the list that should be named tomorrow, I see four guys that should be on that list. Like guaranteed. Ray Lewis, T.O., Randy Moss, and Brian Urlacher. The fifth, I don't know, it's, throw, it's, a, it's really a toss-up between a couple other guys. But those four, to me, are like, are locks. And for some reason, the voters want to give T.O. this bad rap, and maybe rightly so because he was kind of divisive when he was in San Francisco. Then he goes to Philly, kind of divisive there. Okay, but he balled out. You know, when he was in Dallas, same thing. But he balled out, and he... 
as historically, when you talk about the game itself, you have to mention his name when you talk about the best receivers ever to play. Even if he's not there, right. you have to say his name. So that means he belongs there. So if, he, if, if people got their feelings hurt, get over this it. This is not the and, media hall of fame. That's right. Vote him in. Do the right thing. And I, hopefully they will this, this year. Does it, does it mess up the committee when it comes to the voting process? And No, they're not going to change because they've been doing what they do. I mean, it's, what's 50 guys, I think? What is it, 50 voters that goes in that room? I think two are, I think, James Lofton. Dan Fouts last Dan year. Phil, right? Dan, Dan Fouts. Is, I, I think it's still those two guys. Okay. And that's it. I still don't get it. I understand your rules. I've never been a fan of the of the process itself. Even when I came in, I'd said it. I've been this way for quite a long time. I think they need to change the process. I think they need more ex-players, especially the players who are still involved in this league in some capacity. They still know the game. So they can have a voice of reason in that room. Because a lot of times they hear numbers, and numbers don't tell the story. Because now you're going to get these new quarterbacks that are coming up, new receivers that are coming up, and they're catching the ball. I mean, they're, they're throwing for 5,000 yards on a consistent basis nowadays. Where Dan Marino did that. Way back when. Danny would throw for, right now, Danny throw for about 7,000 yards in a year. <laughs> with what they, with, with the these rules. rules. Yeah, yeah. So I think the mindset, our mindsets have to change to what is great. You know, 4,500 yards is a good, it's good. It doesn't make you a great player. So I think some of our, our standards have to be re-looked at and readjusted just for the fact the rules have changed. Always good to see you. Thanks for joining Absolutely, us again guys. on the NFL Appreciate it. Yep. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.